Hello and welcome back to No Beer Left Behind. I am Brian here in North Texas, and I am joined by the one, the only Frank in Austin. Frank, how are you doing, buddy? Okay, all right. Doing great, Brian. Doing great. It's been a while since I threw one of those early in an ep, so. Uh, yeah, no, I think that's why our listenership's gone up over the last couple of weeks. <laughs> Yeah, so first off, congrats to NBLB. We're averaging at least 2,500 listens a week now, which is it's pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty good. So we'll keep, you know, we'll keep building. This is like this is like one of those ripples in the ocean that turns into a tsunami once it hits Bangkok. Oh, sorry, too soon. Um, no, why? <clears throat> let's say, Jesus. Uh, where hasn't a tsunami been? Oklahoma. Minneapolis. Yeah. <laughs> um, Cincinnati, Ohio. Yeah. Also, I don't think it's uh, it's not actually Bangkok. It hit Phuket. But yeah, just a little joke. You know, I mean, not a good joke, but a, a joke. Terrible joke. Um, missing. Yeah, it's been 15 years. It's uh, been 15 years. Never okay. forget. It's a goddamn Alamo, except with water. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway. So outside of that, you know, it's been good. Um, Brian. I will have to say I don't have any beers tonight, mm-hmm. um, but I, I need I need to tell you about a beer I drank last night. Okay, tell me about a beer yeah. that you've had in your recent past. I can't wait for this. No, no, no. This was life changing. Okay, the 20, 2017 bourbon barrel aged coffee dark star from Fremont Brewing mm-hmm. is. So I have I had two of those. I had to taste the one. It just it was calling my name last night. Mm. And holy shit, is that a good beer? Oh, um, yeah, just stupidly good. I mean, so they th- I think their tagline is like for the love of perfect beer or something. Like it, what they speak to is like we put the effort in and we make small batches, but it's damn good beer. Um. And yeah, you couldn't, you can't go wrong. I I know I paid like thirty bucks for that, uh, fucking because bomber. beer because beer matters is there and because beer matters. That's right. Yeah. And I'm I'm gonna tell you, it's the first beer bomber outside of the, the um the uh Prince of Wales that we that I I, I shared mm-hmm. that I was like, holy shit, what a fucking beer. Um, it didn't taste like any beer I've had in that style before. It was the perfect blend of kind of that bourbony sweetness, yeah, and the dryness of a stout. Like it, it was beautiful, uh, just total, total art in a bottle. Um, so if if you are able to, in a beer exchange or whatever, get a taste of that, I I would give my most precious stout <laughs> just to have a taste of that beer. It's so fucking good. <laughs> Fremont makes some amazing beers, don't they? Like you shared mm-hmm. Dark Star, I think 2018 or 2019 with me this last February when y'all came up for my birthday. Mm-hmm. And that was my first time tasting a Fremont beer. It's all over Instagram, Beerstagram, if you will. Um, they have wax dip bottles. Their labels are very classy <clears throat> as shit. And uh, they have verticals for days um, for the real beer nerds out there. So I'm glad it lived yep. up to the hype. And I mean, it's it's one of those things where, because you've never heard of it, it could it could it could turn wrong pretty quick, right? Like any off flavor at that price, you're like, what the fuck did I buy here? Well, and at that age too, I mean, mm-hmm. you you really run the risk. I mean, we tasted last year, this time last year, we did that vertical of um, uh, Bourbon County Stout. 
uh, tasting back five years of Goose Island. Yeah, bourbon. and the one year was off. Yeah, the one year in the middle of the vertical. It wasn't yeah. even like, uh, it wasn't the oldest one. Um. So yeah. Yeah, it was you, like 2017, I think. Mm-hmm, yeah, you run the risk yeah. of one just not being quite as good as the as the others, but then when you buy a single year, not knowing what the variants around it are tastes like, you really run the risk. And it's when it's that much per bottle, you're putting your faith in the beer gods that they're going to give you something good. Yeah, and it's it's. I'll say you always run the risk with the bombers. It just is what it is. Um, <clears throat> if you drink it right away. It'll probably taste the way that they want it right out the uh, uh, sort of like off the line, you know, and it's probably good. Um, but a, a good bomber can stand to, you know, settle down a bit. Yeah. And I mean, even then there, there are some breweries like Deschutes used to do a, a best after beer, basically. Um, I mean, Stone actually had a best after beer, but Deschutes used to tell you with their like double abyss series or whatever the hell they called it like don't drink it until like a year later or six months later uh-huh and to me but you still so it, it, i guess my point is on those you do, you always run the risk mm-hmm. like it's not it's just you're buying it knowing that the risk is there but the reward is unbelievable if it's correct and like if, if it works it works like nothing you've ever tasted before and typically like the reason the reason that's that that can hold true is because breweries typically run bombers or 22 ounce bottles and 750 milliliter bottles. They'll run those like smaller batch beers, beers that are either seasonal, a uh, specialty run that they do usually in smaller batch, not something they make all year round. So to your, like the reasoning behind your point is this isn't their regular production beer. They're not doing QC mm-hmm. tests on it every day. They don't know like what the proper CO2, uh, the, the, the pressure that needs to be served at in the bottle. Um, so yeah, it, it, you do run a bit of a risk. Bigger breweries you typically can rest easy on. Like I can tell you with full confidence that any large format, when they did large format bottles, Firestone Walker, or Boulevard, every one of their beers are going to be fucking phenomenal in those big bottles. They don't do them. They don't do those big bottles anymore. They do like four packs and six packs or single twelve ounce bottles. But still, mm-hmm. you're going to be fine with every one of those you drink. The small brew pub down the street or in a small town in the middle of nowhere. Yep, you're going to run that risk for sure. Um, but then you have good places like Fremont. Then um, you have, I mean, even here locally in Dallas. Uh, I, I love everything that I've had in large format bottles from Armadillo Illworks. Um, large format bottles from uh, Lakewood typically have been very, very good to me. Yeah. But but every now and then you get one that you're just like, wow, why did you make Wild Manimal, Lakewood? Looking at you. What the fuck happened here? <laughs> like We had that one. Remember when we did the Girl Scout pairing? Mm-hmm. Like That was a big format bottle. Fucking beautiful label. Really great looking artwork. Had a lot of work that went into that beer. And we tasted it. We were like, okay i guess i don't know what the fuck happened here like <laughs> what, what are we why did we pay 16 dollars, 17 dollars a bottle what's yeah. happening here and i mean the thing the thing with fremont is I, I i would almost guarantee the only way you're getting it is through um what's the beer app tavor tavor or through knowing someone that goes to the brewery to pick it up yeah it's not beer, <clears throat> like beer it's, exchanges. it's not something you're yeah. just gonna buy yeah, you're definitely not going to a fucking H-E-B in Austin and picking up Fremont Works. I mean, they're based out of Seattle, and they make very, very little beer. So, 
Yeah. But but uh, honestly, probably probably uh, outside of the the discovery I made with uh, uh, Anchorage mm. uh, IPAs, this is probably the most impressive thing I've had off Tavor. Um, no, uh, I, I, I I'm I'm happy that you uh, that you found that bad boy. Uh, I mean. Shit. You know, I noticed there's a couple of other uh, beer apps out there or like beer delivery apps. Mm -hmm. One of them was based out of Boston. And dude, let me just tell you, to address the elephant in the room, we got to figure out shipping prices on beer because uh, you've got to order like $100 worth of beer to make it worth your while to pay $25 plus in shipping. It's, Mm. It's fucking rough, at least for me. Um, it's rough. No, that's true. So, so Tavor is not twenty five bucks. No, I know. Uh, that, that's the the thing that I saw at in uh, at the Boston uh, beer shop. It was twenty five dollar or twenty four ninety nine flat rate shipping for a case or less. And Brian, you wouldn't believe this. Abyss had their holiday bundle on Tavor to Deschutes. Mm-hmm. Um, Deschutes had their Black Butte mm-hmm. as well. Um, and Fremont had their 2019 release of Dark Star. I missed them all because I haven't opened this app in forever. <laughs> and now, now I'm pissed. Now I'm pissed. Um, <laughs> well, good news is you can get Black Butte and the anniversary Black Butte and Abyss basically at any Total Wine or Specs here. Yeah, I mean, Texas. I'm just I'm pissed about the Fremont mainly because mm. that's not gonna. Yeah, <clears throat> that might appear as a bottle again on here. But it's not going to appear as the three pack mm. again on here. Yeah, because um, they have the oatmeal stout, they've got the coffee stout, and they've got the bourbon barrel. The bourbon barrel. All right. Well, is, that sucks. Bourbon barrel was delicious, but you know what else is delicious? What I'm drinking tonight, which I, you are going to roll your eyes so hard you're going to die and come back on me. You ready for this? This is a bull, this is a Boulevard collaboration beer with Rheingeist out of uh, Cincinnati, Ohio. Which you've never heard of Rheingeist or been able to taste any of their stuff. Tell me it's the Christmas story. No, 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 no. That's uh that's that's Christmas story technically doesn't have a beer. Uh, that was made by Great Lakes Brewing Company, and that is their Christmas ale, and it's fucking amazing. Be glad to tell you all about that at a later date. Anyway, this is Boulevard and Rheingeist, uh four pack, sixteen ounce cans. It's called Crustfall, which I felt like that's a punny name. That's good, that's funny. Especially when you figure out what kind of beer it is. It is a peach berry pie sour. And oh, God, that sounds disgusting. It's an imperial Berliner Weiss with <laughs> peaches, blackberries, blueberries, and other natural flavors. Coming in at a svelte 7.5% alcohol. Frank, when I first poured it, and I was taking pictures of it over here in my little studio setup, I took a sip trying to get the head down so I can pour the rest of the can and get a nice, a nice headstand on it. And I was like, oh, this is going to be a fucking painful experience. And then I let the head settle down. I came over here to the chair and I sat down and it took me took me a full sip. And I said to myself, Fuck. This is a dessert in a fucking glass. It literally tastes like like berry pie filling. It's Ugh. fucking awesome. There's no No way, but it's a sour, so it can't be that good. No, okay, so when you hear sour, you think of that like stomach curdling fucking yes. like painful That's experience. The, my, literally my, my, my anus puckers. That ain't right it. When I hear it. That ain't it with this. Um what, it's a Berliner style vice or Berliner style ale. Uh so Berliner meaning uh it's like typically the base of it is uh, lactose or uh, lactic acid dose beer 
Yeah, I so believe I more, believe Berliner means from Berlin. Well, okay. Uh, this is a more controlled sour than you might be thinking of when it comes to like wild fermented ales, lambic lambic style uh, beers, or um, what Jester King de- deems as sour. <laughs> this ain't. This is not that. Uh, this is uh, much more controlled and much more approachable. And honestly, the fact that it doesn't have vanilla in it is surprising. I think that might be what they list as other natural flavors. But at the same time, like this would be one that you would take one taste of and go, God damn it. I can't, mm-mm, I can't do it. I can't do more than one of these. And if you said that, I would have to agree with you because I don't think I can do more than one of these. However, the second yep. second beer I have in the lineup tonight, I can't do more than one of either. So, and it's not a sour ale. Mm. Look at the color of it, though. It's kind of disturbing looking because it's like oh, yeah, it's kind of like a red. I just something. I just condensated on my keyboard. God damn it! Mm. Be careful. I know. I, I spilled a whole fucking Schwartz beer on it about a, six months ago, so we're fine. But yeah, it's this weird, like reddish, like rusty color beer. Nothing compared to the thing that I was drinking while we were waiting to start. Did you see that by any chance? Did I see what? What I was drinking while we were talking before we started recording? No. It was. <clears throat> drum roll, please. Brrr, hard kombucha. <laughs> Damn. With activated charcoal, nutmeg, coconut, and pineapple. <laughs> and it's fucking delicious. That sounds... It's so good. <laughs> wild. It's so good, dude. Activated charcoal? Like, what does that do to the beer? It turns it this weird fucking muddy black color. <laughs> it's so it's so wild. Like, I feel like as soon as I taste it, I'm doing downward dog, and I can't stop it. You know what I mean? Like... <laughs> A yoga mat shows up on my floor and I'm just facing I'm like what the fuck what happened here I just took a sip of anyway uh, it's 6% alcohol which ain't nothing to fuck with when it comes to kombucha and it's not crazy tasting like some kombucha is uh, so if you ever have a chance to try some June shine midnight painkiller give it a shot it's good shit so so Okay, so I've heard of of the alcoholic kombucha, but all all kombucha has alcohol in it. Technically, technically yes, but it's typically most kombucha that's sold in like grocery stores is less than half a percent alcohol. So, not Under, understood. So, what does this clock in at? Like three, four percent? No, six percent. I just just said. Oh, that. sorry. So, but all of them clock in at six percent. Uh, from June Shine, I think they range anywhere between like four to seven and a half percent. When I first tasted their stuff, they came in large format, like 750 milliliter bottles, and they had like an apple kombucha or apple pie kombucha, I think, or something something like that. Green apple, maybe. And it was like 7.5%, and it tasted unlike any other kombucha I'd ever tasted, but it tasted like what the label said. Um, and it did, definitely didn't taste like it was 7.5% alcohol, and it was fucking good. So when they came out with this stuff, I was like, yeah, I'll give it a shot did not disappoint at all and what's their uh so what changes once you increase the the alcohol and kombucha is it just does it change the flavor at all or so i mean just like just like with beer um like the lower alcohol like you don't have as much to balance things with so you up the alcohol typically you up the sugar or perceived sweetness of the liquid to offset any like sourness bitterness or whatever um, so with kombucha, okay. you know, it's a fermented tea. 
Um, yeah. And typically that can have some weird funky flavors, especially when it's less than half a percent alcohol. It just like tea does. Like you have these weird bitter astringent flavors coming out of it. But then you also have yeah. some back sweetened or fruit that is added back to the finished product. Well, when you add high alcohol, like our higher ver- higher alcohol to uh, kombucha, you even it out with these fruit flavors or spice flavors in this case for June Shine. I mean, they're adding, like I said, nutmeg, coconut, and pineapple. Those are all pretty big, bold flavors. So they offset anything that, any like weird, like uh, stringent flavors you might get from a kombucha fermentation. And they also cover up the alcohol that you would get because, I mean, Essentially, you have 6% alcohol by volume water mm-hmm. <laughs> or 6% alcohol by volume tea. Um, so really, that's the biggest thing. Uh, so uh, kombucha is made from a scoby or a single colony of bacteria. Um, that's one of the best words. Scoby? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it's fucking wild and repitchable. It's fucking easy for people to understand. That's but also, how it also, works. If you want to see something fucking wicked... Go look up a picture of a SCOBY. It's like this disc mm-hmm. that forms in the entire fun, jar that, fun. You're, that you're brewing it in. It's crazy. While you're looking up that weird shit, let me just, I don't want, I don't mean to one up you, but I'm going to one up you here. Look up a pellicle in sour beer fermentation. A pellicle is what happens when you pitch a wild yeast strain or uh, you do a, a, a spontaneous fermentation. Pellicle is basically a bacteria that forms a thick enough layer at the top of the liquid to protect oh, yeah, I the, see that. To protect the liquid. Like a- it protects the liquid from, an, from oxygen. So it creates an impermeable barrier above the liquid. And it is fucking wild. There are Twitter profiles dedicated to like pellicle every day and shit. It's fucking cool. Yeah, so I don't like sour beer, but this is cool. Um, it does look like a ah oh man, how do it's sort of like a rice cake looking thing. Well, a lot of um, the pictures they show typically are at like a microscopic level, so they have these yeah. like hairy things or like spiderweb cotton wicked. fibers over the top of it. Yeah, it it's does wicked. not does That's not look cool. like you should be drinking it, but it's protecting that precious precious beer down below. Yeah, that's cool. Um, yeah, it, it, it. I mean, it performs the the same function as a scoby. So. It does, except That's the difference cool. is when uh, you have a pellicle, multiple bacteria, like multiple uh, yeast strains and uh, bacteria forming, whereas scoby, single colony of bacteria. Got it. But I'm just saying it. It's oh yes, similar same, same concept purpose. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So, all right. So, you know, talking about concepts, I'm gonna quickly. Already shared this with Brian, ja. but share this with the rest of, you know, the NBLB universe. Um, there is a bit of a fallacy going around here. You said fallacy. In life in general, if you've got um, par 30 can lights in your house. Oh, Jesus Christ. Everybody's going around and they're telling you, hey, guys, um, go... Uh, Go, uh, you know, get yourself some par 30 LED bulbs and replace your whole house with time out, time out, no. time out, time out, time out. Full disclosure, those people that you're talking about, that was us two Christmases ago when we said, Correct. and I quote, Correct. get your old folks in your family LEDs for all the fixtures in their house. Absolutely. Okay, I just want to make sure. And that was, that was good advice back then. I'm talking about improvement in technology that is so significant if you have LED light bulbs that are going out, toss them, 
replace the fixture with what is called an LED retrofit. Okay. okay. And the retrofit is a full housing. Brian will post a picture of this on the uh, Nobody Left Behind Instagram. Probably not going to do that. Um, it's, a f- <laughs> it's a full housing that snaps into the can of the light. So you'll have to take out the canister that's currently in there. It's really easy to do. It just pops right out. Um, you take that out. You leave the, the, the socket. It's at the top of that canister. You screw in the new canister, which has the housing for your new bulb. Uh, you screw that in, you put it back in. There's these two prongs on the side. You push those in, lead them into the into the into the uh, the can that's remaining, um, or the housing, and then uh, yeah, then then you've got yourself a retrofitted LED kit. Big improvement. Okay, it uses one tenth of the energy of the LED bulb that you're currently running. The heat sink is much more efficient, so the heat sink actually protects the bulb the bulb can now run up to fifty thousand hours instead of the 20 that you're currently rated at it's a dollar more per light so it makes no sense to replace your current led with anything but this shit um it's not that much more effort uh and the uh the nice thing is it looks better so you know how your led bulb when you you screw that par 30 in it's not always straight Right, they're all kind of a little wonky. Um, they have different, uh, you know, how would we put it? different angles for the same the same can. Different angle um, for different angles. I know. It's yeah, like, it's just like if you've got one shining at an angle, the bulb is heavy, so the bulb sags to the bottom of that uh, that that housing. Right, so it, it looks weird. Um, this is a consistent look throughout the house. It looks perfect in the middle because the housing is the bulb you don't put a bulb in there it's actually like you know it's 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 a bulb the housing itself it's like a um, flat surface like the the ceiling yes. it just like bleeds into where the light shines through it's, yeah it, it makes sense and it, it pisses me off that we're just now getting it's 2020 and we're coming up with this idea well the, the idea's been out there they've just always been too expensive so they've been in fancy houses. They're now at the point where they're not in fancy houses anymore because they're mass produced in China. And honestly, don't don't buy the bulbs anymore. As your lights go out, go ahead. Buy the retrofit kits, um, especially if it's onesie twosies. If it's not onesie twosies, you know, you kind of have a little bit of an expense to, to think about there. But honestly, you're talking about dropping 30 bucks to replace six of them and getting it done. Um, so it's not... It's not cost prohibitive in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, I mean, I've got um, I've got six can lights in my house. Seven, if you include the one over the fireplace, but that's at an angle. And I, I wouldn't. What you're talking about, we wouldn't be able to make that work in there. I don't think because it's angled up. How's that? Like it's it's not flushed with the ceiling. It's angled down, uh, like shining toward the uh, fireplace. Oh no! So you've got one of those angled lights. Yeah, yeah. yeah the like the, ang- the angled it. lights they don't have the retrofit kits for. It's a straight down lighting that they've got the retrofit for. Hmm. So yeah, you you are correct. You're not going to be able to do that with angled. I, I, they might sell them for angled. I just wasn't looking for them. So if you look for like an a retrofit LED 
angular bulb or whatever, you might be able to find it. But the cool, um, other cool but part the about kits, the kits are the way to go. The kits are the way to go. Other cool thing that you did was install dimmer lights, which I mean, mm-hmm. for homeowners and just people who are light nerds in general, dimmers are fucking sick. And they're no, they're they're so important, dude. What's wild is like dimmer dimmer switches work with every incandescent bulb, but you have to have special LED bulbs for dimmer switches to work, like b- retrofitted bulbs, I guess you should say, not kit bulbs, uh, because you can't just stop the flow of electricity to an LED bulb; it'll just turn the fuck off unless it's rated to have lower frequencies sent to it, like. Your retro, yep, that's like, correct. Like and your the, the, retro, the retrofit kits can all be dimmed. The the actual bulbs cannot always be dimmed. To your right. point, um, yeah, that's why I I have the one dimmable uh, lamp in the my entire house. I have that's the only incandescent bulb I have in the house right now. That's yeah. it. So, also so, including Christmas lights at the moment. Go ahead. Oh dang. So no, so in my house, you know how many of these can lights I've got. Yeah. I mean, I'm counting like five or six behind you right now, yeah. just in the dining. It's room. insanity. I think I think the total amount I ordered was forty eight, and I think I might be short Christ. a couple. Jesus yeah. Christ! Oh yeah, forget every 20, one of your bedrooms have them. Yeah, yeah, it has six of them yeah. in the bedroom. So um, yeah, it's it's a bit much, and quite frankly, I'm not quite sure who is going to be performing surgery in my in my living room or my bedrooms but um it is enough to where you don't need to add lighting to do anything <laughs> here's the deal uh, in, in any room so real quick backstory uh back when we were talking about switching everything to leds uh, a couple years ago i did that in my house and mrs brian said that exact same thing about our living room lights that i replaced because i I thought, hey, daylight bright is what we need in here. You got so the lumens wrong. Five thousand, five thousand Kelvin, five thousand degrees Kelvin. This is going to be fucking great. Uh, put them in the living room, and Mrs. Brian was like, "Well, we're fucking, are we performing surgery on the coffee table here? Because I can see, I can see people's heartbeat right now." And uh, she she wasn't wrong, uh, but I quickly found the uh, the solution to the problem. Obviously, warm white. You want to go thirty seven hundred Kelvin to forty three hundred Kelvin. Uh, light bulbs, but I found the old Edison LEDs for the living room ceiling fan. And let me just tell you right now, they look great <clears throat> when we turn them on. We rarely ever turn them on because mainly they're just, it's too much light. It's too much light. Uh, one thing you will notice in my house is that uh, anytime I'm shooting video, whether it be video that we shoot for Instagram at Nobody Left Cast on Instagram or on YouTube at Nobody Left Behind on YouTube, you notice that I don't use, I, I have uh, all my like extra lights turned off whenever I'm recording. It's because I go with studio lighting when it comes to the camera because it's good enough for the camera. It's good enough for me. You know what I'm talking about? And sometimes uh, when you go with normal household lighting for those uh, 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 future or possible uh, video enthusiasts out there, you're going to want to go with video rated lighting because the flicker rate on household bulbs don't always match up with the flicker rate of shutter speeds on modern cameras. Now you can change shutter shutter speeds on uh, DSLR and mirrorless cameras, but you can't always do that on phone cameras. So if you ever notice any weird strobing or uh, what they call shutter roll, you need to change your lights and uh, uh, find a better light to shoot with. Anyway, that's, uh, that's my video 
video production tip of the week. Frank, you're back now. Yeah. I'm guessing you had a dog problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sorry. It's <laughs> it's this time of the evening when like everything is so quiet and any dog barking sets a dog off, you know? Yes. Um yeah, so I, I had to put them inside. But mm. yeah, so so to your point, actually, for the video production people who or want to be video production people, um, or even just the average Zoom call person, um, I'm not big into it. But if you've ever noticed yourself looking a little bit strange on Zoom calls, try try a little front face lighting. Uh, it makes a huge difference. It it's more how would I say personable. Um, then, you know, sitting with backlighting behind you and your face being all dark. So uh, to, to help people out a little bit and put some perspective on their average uh, person who shoots video or takes a selfie, like the cameras on your, like your built-in webcams, front-facing cameras on your phone or iPad, yeah, they're not great. However, they can be greatly be helped uh, with better lighting on the subject, in this case, person. Um, because what happens with these digital cameras that have no additional, like they have, they have tiny, tiny sensors. Basically what they do is they bump the ISO or false lighting. Um, basically they can pull like one of five pixels, uh, of, of, of what they're actually seeing. And then the computer fills in the other four pixels, um, for every inch or whatever obviously there's way more pixels involved, but you know what I mean? Like y- y- if you light the subject better, the camera, ha- the computer has to do less work to fill in the blanks. The camera can actually pick up what it's seeing. Uh, and you have better, better picture. So yeah, to Frank's point, get yourself a little mini ring light, get yourself a little fucking, a uh, little desk lamp to put next to your computer behind your computer so that it shines on your face and definitely move out from in front of a fucking window. That will help everything. Yeah. Can can we also talk about the ring light just for a second? Mm-hmm. Um, the ring light works, but if you're going to do it, don't place it right in front of your fucking face if you're wearing glasses. Okay. Play, place it off to the side. It'll light your face up plenty. It's okay. The number of videos of like Instagram people or podcast people that I see where the ring light reflects off of their glasses and it, it's it sort of like blinds their eyes in Frank, the video. Frank, you're talking about every video. It's I've too done. many. You're talking about every video. Yeah, it's too I've many. Done. No, every video that I've done too- for Instagram. No, it's not true. It's not true. You you place it off to the side. So it, it reflects. You can see it. I'm talking about the people who put it right in front of their uh, fucking face yeah. behind the camera. That shit, you cannot see anything. Yeah. It looks like they're Darth Maul out there with like dark, you know, <laughs> bright holes for, for eyes. Like it looks terrible. Uh, the um, one thing I will say. So yeah, if you're going to do it off, off to the right, off to the left, slightly off center works a lot better than right in front of your camera. Way better. Well, I mean, you've seen my setup. I have a center pole uh, coming up out of my, out of my desk. And then my light is mounted to the left as far as the mm-hmm. arm will extend and as high as it'll go. And I, then I have a diffuser on top because this is diffuse light and this is harsh light. You see this giant white spot on my forehead for no fucking reason? It's wild that it just kind of goes away when it goes to uh, diffuse light. Also, diffusion is fucking amazing. Get yourself some diffusion cloth, people. Uh, they're, it's cheap. Way cheaper than it fucking should be. But it's it's funny, you know, like you say that um, it, it, the lighting currently is actually really cheap to get right or get 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 
do the perfectly the, reasonable the setup that I have two full color balanced RGB fully customized uh, LED 12 by 12 lamps two of those for under $200 they yep. come with stands. They come with everything. They come with plugs. You can get uh, batteries to put in them to make them completely wireless. Under $200. If you're fucking doing any sort of video work, you need at least this. If you want to do yeah, and- if you want to do desk stuff and make this look this way, like I there are lights under $50 that would do this exact same thing. No, but think, okay, so think about this, right? So we're on MSNBC political coverage. Oh, whatnot. don't even you start on yeah. fucking CNN the with a fucking of, earbuds. The number the number of motherfuckers that went on Amazon and ordered their ring light uh. with their camera set up right in front of them and they were like this is going to work perfect. It doesn't work well. Like who is producing this stuff and not giving them, "Hey, this is the kit. If you want to be live, this is the kit." Put it to the right of your screen. It's going to look better. You know what's... I mean, I've seen Steve Schmidt on MSNBC when the ring light is literally like his face is the only thing in the room <laughs> that looks as bright. And you're yeah. like, dude, just put it a little bit further and a little bit to the right or to the left. And it's going to look the, a lot better. And turn the fucking room light out. Like that is... Yes. <laughs> like you... It's a whole fucking thing, Frank. I, You know what kills me? Okay, so... one. Of the I mean, and I'm not I, a person who like goes off on production right but the ring light the ring light gets me heated because it's like yeah it's a cool utility do you but know everybody uses it so wrong like it's know, so incorrect do you know why people use ring lights do you know why ring light the the light aligned in a ring is a thing well because it disperses doesn't it, it it's a better dispersion nope no you know the only reason because if i am close to the close to the camera and i have my eyes wide open if i have a ring the falling on my eye, my iris, on my yeah. around my pupil, Retina. it li- well it lights up the color of your iris oh, around your pupil, and it provides a very aesthetically pleasing light, which is why, like that that that's why the ring light is a thing. Now you're right; it does it does provide dispersed light, but at the same time, so does the light that I'm using here, which is in mm-hmm. a square. Uh, I just throw. Di- Good night. I don't know if you heard that, but I fuck my diffusion screen just fell off my fucking life. <laughs> like an asshole while I'm talking about why I have it there. It just yeah. fucking fell off and just KO'd all the glasses and cans on my desk. And now Brian looks like an angel. I do. I do look like it's well, but you see the difference between diffusion yeah. and hard light. Uh hold on, let me get this hooked back up. Yeah, so I mean all in all, I'm not I'm not hating on you know getting the lighting right the lighting right is important but understand what you're working with. <laughs> oh the thing the, that gets the me- ring the ring light is, is a bit much when you don't use it correctly well what i was going to talk about is like since we've been gone that's what i'm going to say instead oh. of instead of uh, it's been a while uh, well I, I i breathed for the first time yesterday right right you know what i mean okay kelly clarkston you know what's up um <laughs> My mother-in-law calls her that, and it bugs the shit out of me every time. Um, <laughs> Why did she fall on Clark? Clarkston. There's a fucking yeah. T and shit in there. Anyway. Oh, God. Uh, no, since 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 we've been gone, uh, I did a uh, charity beer dinner <laughs> for... I heard about that. It was a fucking blast, and we did it. It was essentially like I was hosting an episode of Nobody Left Behind, but with like clean language and... We had a fucking script that we kind of built and stuff. It was 
the, that part was wild to me. It was new. Uh, but everything else was the exact same thing that we've been doing for the last four and a half years. So I was in my quote unquote element while I was doing it. Yeah. But what was wild you know, it, was it, it, everyone was like doing this whole, like they were basically in their Zoom setup and I'm in our setup here. Everybody's like, holy shit, Brian, everything looks great. And obviously I had my backlights on, my my beer artwork in the background, but I had my, my microphone, my lights. I had my good camera set up. So I, I was at eye level and I had my mm-hmm. like wide angle lens on so you could see everything. It was nice. But people were like, wow, oh God, that must have cost you a ton of money. We've talked about it before. It was like, it's under $300 to fucking have mm-hmm. what I have set up. And I've done it over the course of two years. And... Like it's just it's thought out. It's not even well thought out. And there's a lot of shit well, that is Jerry no, rigged. It is here. well thought out. It is well thought out. And the key is 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 the parts that you said. You know, there's a Chinese knockoff here that I could use. Yeah. And let me try it before I go buy the the real thing. Some of that stuff has worked. No. Oh, yeah. And that's you know that's the coolest thing. Like, I th- I think what's what's funny to me is like if if this is your job, right, and this is what you're getting paid to do, i.e. Instagram XYZ person, um, it, it takes, I don't know, maybe an additional $100 versus what you're paying for everything else to get set up and be proper. Um, I mean, you built that that flash kind of LED bar thing yeah that you bring up for the pictures that take our pictures you built that for what like 30 bucks the like desk mount and everything yeah yeah it wasn't it wasn't crazy expensive i mean it was definitely under 100 bucks but it was because i had to buy a couple things twice to make things work for what i needed to you know yeah, so it's, it's one of those like if this is what you're going to be doing then just you know get the lighting right I, I don't know it frustrates me that these these people go out and they buy these whatever like canon d seven thousands <laughs> and you know they <laughs> they want to take good pictures yeah you can take a good picture with that but to your point earlier the picture is only 30 to 40 percent the camera mm-hmm. like the rest of it is all based on what your lighting is if your lighting is shit the picture is going to turn out to be complete dick dude so, i i love i love going toe-to-toe with my father-in-law my father-in-law is one of those he's a gear guy um, he has the money to spend on really nice camera equipment and he has really nice camera equipment. However, he does, he does. however, when I take pictures of friends, family, objects, scenery, whatever it is, I like objectively take better what you, what pictures you, than what him. What you'd like to say is it's slightly better than what he takes. No, they're way fucking better than what he takes. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, I gave you an out. I gave you an out. But no, but, here, the way better. but here's okay. the deal. It's about <laughs> composition. It's about lighting. It's about understanding the subject that you're taking a picture of. Yeah. It's about the end result rather than all the stuff you have leading up to that point. And I feel but wasn't like that Ansel Adams swore lighting and, and film yeah. the film that he was taking it on. Right. So he only, he only used Kodachrome and it didn't matter what camera he used. He just needed lighting. Well, and I if, mean, if he got those two things, right. I mean, he's a national treasure. So well, I was going to say Ansel Adams that. also took pictures of national treasures and captured them in the most amazing light ever. Um, yeah. like national, I mean, his, his, his national picture parts. of half dome, mm-hmm. his picture of half dome is still one of the best 
of a national park. They're fucking anywhere. amazing. Hey, one incredible. of the, one of the best landscape photographers yeah. ever. Um, but I will say this, like that ability to do that is limited only by your ability to travel there now because literally like yes. so many, it sounds so stupid, but phones are so fucking powerful when what they can they capture. It just depends on where you are, how you capture it. And like, like the, the, the composition of the picture and your willingness to fucking work. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's so crazy. The world that we live in now, when it comes to art in general, whether it's fucking putting out a podcast or taking pictures or shooting video or fucking like anything is just limited by the amount of work that you can do. It's and not a fucking let's be real. Yeah. Let's be real. YouTube. YouTube is your friend in every occasion. Like dude, I've learned I mean, so much from YouTube. <laughs> oh, so much, so much today. I was installing this dimmer switch and I, I honestly had no idea how electrical switches worked. Like I, I knew, I knew the concept, right? You're, you're, fulfilling a current and then your lights turn on but how they got additional switches to work with the same lights i didn't know so in in a in a in a traditional electrical setup you've got a hot wire that is your current flowing from the box and then you've got lead wires and the leads will flow it through to the next switch and you can keep the lead going to additional switches so that they know, is it on, is it off? So when you flip the switch, it does the opposite, right? Um, I had no idea how that worked until I watched several YouTube videos. And I was like, okay, now I know what switch to order. Don't just go ordering switches. Sure, don't just go ordering switches when you're um, you're trying to replace your 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 wall switches. If you have more than one spot where you turn a light on and off, you need a, 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 you don't need a, a solo switch. You need a multi-switch or a two-way, three-way, no, sorry, a three-way switch. You don't need a two-way switch. A three-way switch has the additional lead wired into the control so that you are able to, at that point, turn an additional light on or off. Um, and it's fascinating to me because quite frankly, I'm not an electrician but YouTube taught me this. I wired it. Our neighbor's uh, son-in-law is an electrician. Uh, he came in and he goes, dude, this is perfect. And quite frankly, like for residential, this is 99% of what people need to learn. How did you like know how to do this? And I told him, I was like, you know, there's like four or five electrical YouTube channels out there. And they taught me. You know, so there's another concept. It's called a neutral wire. You wouldn't even know what a neutral wire is unless you either have done it before or you went on YouTube. And a neutral wire is in any any electrical outlet today has a neutral wire. It's normally this white wire that's kind of like every every out not every every switch in the box could potentially have a lead into this neutral kind of. Uh, uh, bunch, we yeah. call it a bunch. I don't know what it's actually called, but um, <laughs> I had no idea what it was. Then I looked up some YouTube videos and I figured out one of my switches was wired wrong and was not working because I wasn't connected to the neutral. 
And I was like, okay, cool. Now I've got this. So it takes a little bit, but now that I know, I can rewire every outlet that's a switch in this house. Not every, you know, uh, I think actually the, the plugs are a lot easier, but um, every outlet that's a, a, a switch, I can now do because I fucked around with the ones in my kitchen and they work and the dimmer works and the fan switch works because the fan used to just be on a flip switch. Yeah. And now I have like a control. I can actually increase and decrease the speed on the fan and turn it on and turn it off without using a remote control and shit. So yeah, dude, like 99% of this shit, if you want to get good at photography, go on YouTube. If you want to learn how to, you know, wire your own house, not, not from, from, I'm sure you probably could learn how to plumb and wire your house from fucking studs, but why would you? Right. Um, but if, you, if you're just trying to fuck around and change some stuff up, 90% of that work can be done on your own. I wouldn't recommend running new wire in your house. No, absolutely not. Um, get an electrician for that. But the shit that people bring electricians out for is like, you can do all of that. Um, it, it, only thing I would advise against is if you have a heat pump in your house, possibly bring out an electrician because I for about a week could not figure out why my house was getting cold, hot when I wanted it to get cold. Oh my god. And it was because my heat pump was running in reverse. <laughs> it was pulling hot air from the outside cuz I flipped two wires. Oh Won't make the mistake again. God. But yeah, AC HVAC can be a little bit tricky on the wiring, but yeah, again, YouTube uh, YouTube taught me how to fix it. So, yeah, you, pro you probably could learn it from YouTube, but there are some tricks in there. <laughs> yeah, you. I was going to say, you probably could, but uh, that's fine. You just need to know if you're going into an AC HVAC situation, there is the possibility that you could flip your heat pump into reverse, which is not bad if you're in a cold area. <laughs> but if you're in a hot area... If you're in central Texas. It, it can be... <laughs> yeah, it could be the pits. I mean, you're talking about... Turning your house, <laughs> you set it on seventy and it never reaches it because why? That's going to hundred. Yes, That's what it's, it's actually ninety six in fucking October. Great, wonderful, yeah. love that. <laughs> Holy shit, dude. Uh, well, all right. So there's, I, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna play this, and I know it doesn't apply to you, but it's gonna apply to me. Okay, it's about. Okay. I'm gonna make it about me for a second. Hear ye, it's time for a beer count. Listen to this track, beers. I know, Frank. I know you're not drinking any. You're not drinking a beer tonight. You're you're drink you're you're drinking your smoke in from your Padron Damaso. Correct. But I, I opened up a beer uh, that I forgot I had. This is. The special limited release ale, Imperial Stout, aged in whiskey barrels from Boulevard, from 2015. <laughs> this beer is five years old. No shit. Um, I opened it because I was going to open Alesmith Speedway Stout from 2017, and I said to myself, okay. "No, I'm going to save that for another night." Because I had that. Uh, that was one of the beers I that we did for uh, beer dinner uh, for charity that we did. And uh, it was so fucking good that, like, I want that to be, that's going to stick around with me for a while. This one, though, 2015, it's, it was stored hot for a while. 
then cold since I got it back in 2018. Uh, so yeah, no, this one, this, this, this beer is corked and caged. Uh, I had the microphone turned off when I uncorked it cause I wasn't real sure what the fuck was going to happen. So if I had to let out a bunch of curse words while I was pouring it, I could, um, but this beer has held up so fucking well in five years. It's, it's amazing. It really is amazing. And I, did you say what style is it? It's an Imperial Stout aged in whiskey barrels. Oh, Imperial Stout. Got it, got it. Nice, man. That's I good. mean, yeah, Boulevard makes just absolutely great beer. I mean, two two Boulevard type of night tonight, you know? They're collabo with Rheingeist, and now a uh, five-year old Imperial Stout. I'm fucking, it's amazing. I, you know what, Frank? I don't think we ever talked about our anniversary experience. Do you know which one I'm talking about? Our Firestone anniversary no, experience? No, I'm not quite certain. The the Firestone Walker anniversary beers that we opened? Oh, yes. No, we did not. So, one of the few things, uh, a few bright spots of the last eight months uh, was Frank stopping by the old Casa on a trip, to see, uh, on a trip back from seeing family. He stopped by the house um, to spend the night, him and Mrs. Frank. And uh, during this COVID nineteen pandemic, and, and luckily uh, we were we were all healthy and uh, uh, clean and clear of Got symptoms. Tested. We were we were we were as safe as we possibly could be. Um, and uh, during our time together, we you know we had had a lot of fun, had a lot of laughs. We opened up two beers that I have been saving for quite some time um uh firestone walker anniversary beers from their 17th anniversary and their 18th anniversary we opened while him and while frank and mrs frank were here visiting and those two beers um derek i hate to break it to you uh derek uh, frequent guest of the podcast here uh, derek bought one of those bottles i bought one of the bottles um derek and i had both had those bottles fresh when we, we purchased them the first time uh, and I was like, you know what? If there's ever a time to share a bottle uh, with a good friend, it's during a fucking during these uncertain fucking times. So we uh, we we opened the bottles, and I gotta be honest, they were both amazing experiences for me. Um, knowing what they tasted like the first time, and knowing how they've changed over the years, and how how fucking wonderful it was to share such a unique experience with people that I don't often get to share these experiences with. Um, and in this year in general, share any experiences with in person. So, uh, it was really fucking cool, uh, to do. Uh, I enjoyed the beers. Uh, I, if I'm remembering correctly, the 18th anniversary was much better than the 17th anniversary. Yes, it was. It um, was. I mean, d- to be expected. I think this year they released their 24th anniversary. Just to be clear, um, I thought. Oh, wow. I d- I thought it was much, you know, sooner than that. But no, these beers were like seven years old. Uh, one of them was. Uh, <laughs> uh, and they they were amazing. I mean, I think I think that the key to to tasting them was just. Um, it, it's like with any of those, right? Like last night, <laughs> I poured it, and the wife kind of downed it and i was like hun you you don't do that with that beer right. <laughs> like it's, 
um yeah it's sipping it's really enjoying it um i mean you, you've waited that long you know and you, quite frankly uh <laughs> side piece don't do that with a crowler you're no. going to be very disappointed yeah don't do that um but if, if you can get it in a bottle that's sealed especially um cork cap whatever um it, it it really does age pretty well now th- there's probably a limit to how long you can take it um no doubt but mm-hmm. I, I would i would suggest you know based on what we've done brian maybe kind of well we've really only gone out seven or eight years so maybe that's kind of so a sign I, of it being kind of a key for, for peak you know as a, coming from a person who has several verticals going and i am i'm gonna be on I, I am a very good beer steward i take care of beer when i when i buy yeah. it it's taken care of meaning it doesn't get above say 50 degrees it's at cellar temperature if i'm storing it for a long period of time um i've got i've had you know the 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 goose island uh vertical that we were talking about earlier i went for five years and i shared that with frank and mrs frank and, and mrs. damn Brian. that was amazing it was great <laughs> but and like what we saw was like the 2014 that we had last year was about as far back as i would go with that beer style mm-hmm. now with um I have two verticals going right now in my beer fridge. I have a, a Prairie Christmas Bomb, which I've I've talked about on on Instagram and on Twitter. Um, I've got five years of that now, and I will say this right now: I have no idea what five year old Christmas Bomb is going to taste like, and I will venture to guess that Prairie Artisan Ales also does not know what five year old Christmas Bomb tastes like because I don't feel like they're they're. Uh, their uh, Q, uh, quality assurance or uh, whatever the hell they want to call it, their lab testing is that strict. Yeah, I would venture a guess you are correct. Um, <laughs> it's going to be... So, so they sold, and I think the new... It's Krebs uh, Christmas Brewing Company. Pack. No, yeah. Yeah, but I think it I think it comes out with a glass too, which is kind of neat. What, well, okay. So it doesn't, not all of them. Texas, they released a special glass and glassware uh, pack for Texas. And Frank, I... I assume you didn't listen to that last episode that we did with Villain. I did not know. Um, but this is what it looks like. It has the mm. Prairie Artisan Ales logo with the state of Texas behind it, and then it's got the Rat Fink Santa driving like a hot rod sleigh. I, I, I'm showing you that because I bought the Texas uh, package. <laughs> it came with two bottles of Prairie Christmas Bomb 2020 and two bottles of Texas Bomb, which w- is Prairie Bomb made with Katz's Coffee, which Katz Coffee... And- that's the one that's from Austin. Yeah, yeah, that's the one that they use in Real Ales Coffee Porter and Shiner's Coffee Beer that they made a couple years ago, which were both just delicious. So the uh, the oh no, sorry, Katz is from Houston. Okay. I always get it confused. Okay, they're from Houston. They're right next to Carbach. Hmm. Um, so. How much did that retail? You probably said on the last episode. Uh, it, you know what? It's actually cheaper than I was thinking. So I bought it at Lone Star Beverage in Carrollton. Um, in the past, Prairie Christmas Bomb has run me ten dollars a bottle. So yeah, I was yeah, figuring. Yeah. That's why I was asking. I was figuring like thirty or I was figuring thirty nine ninety nine to like forty nine ninety nine with a glass. Mm-hmm. Lone Star had it for thirty two bucks. So I was oh, like, yeah, yeah, fucking jump on that day. all day. Because we were ba- yeah, yeah. basically buying four dollars a ten, four bottles of ten dollar beer, 
Uh, turns mm-hmm. out Christmas bomb this year, eight ninety nine here in Texas. Oh, okay. Well, they're they're getting production up. It sounds like they are, and you know what? That like that's that's a positive because that's one thing that Villem and I talked about on the last cast was how expensive Prairie is on a, on on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. It's kind of cost prohibitive to trying out some of their you know limited release beers or whatever because most of them taste like slight like very slight variants of one another. People aren't willing to go for it. Um, this year and, though, and, I mean for for a brewery that like made their name on stouts yeah it is difficult to justify the prices that they charge for some of their other stuff like i mean especially if you were an early early like we brian and i we drank the first and second year christmas bomb i dude i so went back i've, if I've you had were, christmas bomb since 2013 yeah so if, if you if you or, were well, an early technically if it you was were, called christmas ale but yeah yeah it was yeah but if you if you if you were an early prairie person, right, 2010, 2013, around that time, um, they were very inconsistent because they were brewing at another person's brewery. Um, you'd get a prairie well, standard and it could explode in your kitchen or it could, you know, you're talking be about the best beer you've had. You're talking about funky gold mosaic, and in that case you are correct. Um, they weren't brewing so, yeah, at another brewery in the early days, but you're right. Their consistency was was kind of wild because they were so small. They didn't really have uh, all the all the things in place that would help them produce good beer. Now uh, earlier I said it was Christmas ale. That's not correct. It was called the beer that saved Christmas, and that was in 2013. It was an old ale aged in oak barrels, and I know this because I had the picture pulled up right now. And thanks to good buddy Jay, he was the one who brought that beer to me in t- early 2014. Yes, yeah, so if 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 you had had early prairie, yes, you sorry. you were used to, you know, inconsistent beers, uh but their stouts were always spot on. Um and that's what made their name. So now going back, I'm happy to buy their other stuff. I I mean, I know Prairie Farmhouse Ale is good. Um it's not as sour as some of the uh, farmhouse ales that I've had. Prairie Standard, um, amazing. Sorry yeah, Prairie Standard's good. Um, they they make good beer, but it's it's like once you've paid that much and had it explode in your kitchen, it is difficult to go back. <laughs> I have gone back several times, um, and it has gotten better. So so Prairie kind of I give the pass to uh, a because they're local. Well, B, they're, they're Oklahoma State grads, yeah. and and C, um, you know we've seen them grow up, but it, it they they almost had it wrong there for a little bit. <laughs> Listen, there was some serious, serious inconsistencies in buying that beer. When when Prairie was bought out by Krebs and Chase Healy decided to 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 sell it and open American Solera, I full disclosure, the only beer, only Prairie beers I bought for like a year was just Christmas, their Christmas bomb. That was it. Mm -hmm. Um, because I had that much distrust for Krebs, (laughs) it was. Is bad. I've had Krebs beer. We talked. Uh, uh, Parker and I talked on the last cast that him and I were on. Uh, where, like, Krebs is the same brewer that brews chalk beer. Okay. Do you remember chalk, Frank? No. Chalk is f- fucking famous for the shittiest beer to come out of Oklahoma. It's so fucking oh, bad. No. Uh, anyway, chalk is C H O C. So like, I was like, oh, it's chalk tall beer, right? No, fucking don't mix up the Choctaw people uh, with this shit chocolate. beer. No. Well, that's the other thing. If you're outside of Oklahoma, you would think chocolate, but 
you see Chuck yeah. in Oklahoma, you're like, yeah, I get that. <laughs> anyway. Uh, yeah, all, so it's, I mean, you know. All that to say, like, okay, Prairie, so. Prairie has been a good story. But they have. Uh, you remember when you were drinking their beer at, at uh, fuck it, or no, I'm sorry, that was Marshall beer that you were drinking out at uh, Marshall Dillon's in 2008. That's correct. Bef- that's correct. Five years before they. Before the, five years before they became yeah. a brewery. I forgot about that. Yeah, that's right. Uh, anyway. Five cent beers. Yeah. None of that was true. Uh, the other vertical that I was uh, that I have going in the in the cellar right now that I was going to say the comparison to those prairie beers that are going for five years is the five years of Dogfish Head 120 minute IPA that I have going on. Now that five now that years is a trip. that is a trip because I've had four year old 120 minute IPA and it tastes so significantly different than fresh 120 minute IPA. As a matter of fact, that was the last, <laughs> that was the last beer that I've had that I had with Derek before he moved to Oregon. Um, we were at our buddy Andy's house and I brought over like a three or four year old dogfish head and a fresh dogfish head, 120 minute IPA. And we had those side by side and that was like our like send off drink. Yeah. Um, and that was so different that I am fucking pumped to try five years in a row. Now with those five years, I also have what they call like their uh, winter variants. So some years they produce dogfish head. They try to release it on the 120th day of the year. Um, but then every now and then if they get a good double batch going, they can release another batch in like October, November timeframe right before Christmas. Yep. So I have two or three years of that variant three years of that variant you know, three, three years where I had the second, the second batch as well. So I have eight versions, eight different versions of 120 minute IPA that I am fucking pumped to try. <laughs> yeah. It's so, so I like the way that you do the whole cellar and then flight uh, combo. It's yeah. definitely, you know, it, it gives you an appreciation, um, which, you know, it's always good. Just, enjoy some of the beers and it's always good to buy two. So if you're going to do it, yep. you know, buy one to have right then. So you don't feel guilty that you're not having the other one, yep. you know, or the one that you have. And it, it really works. Um, Cause I had two of the Fremont's. I had the one last night. I know it's fucking good and I can't wait to like do the flight with everybody, you know? But the other thing is you're not having to pay. <laughs> so one of the things that I've learned uh, working in the beer industry is that when you buy aged beer, you pay the retailer the overhead of storing it. So to your point, if you just yep. buy two beers every year, you can easily build a flight without an issue. That's what I do every year with Bourbon County Stout. I pay $10 a bottle every year or, you know, for every bottle every year. So it's 20 bucks a year and slowly I build up a five-year vertical and it's I'm not out a hundred dollars to buy you know three no, but it's years also easily if you need to sell them that's thirty fifty bucks a bottle that you're gonna get um, no yeah. problem I mean sure yeah if we're thinking of it that way yeah one hundred percent but at the same time like I'm a fucking beer lover like I'm I'm I would never no I understand see, I but understand. you know what I mean I'm just saying if people are like oh yeah but I'm gonna be sitting on this beer like yeah you know at worst if you're not gonna drink it sell it to someone on eBay it's gonna you know, it's going to go for 30 to 50 bucks. I would, I would be real interested to see how many, how much people would pay for my fucking five year, eight bottle vertical of dogfish at 120 minute IPA. Well, let's, let's take a look. So dogfish at what's the lowest year you've got? 2015, April, 2015. 
Okay. Let's see what that's going for today. Yeah, that's currently a $40 beer. Cool. That's fucking great. I mean, that's... I get like I don't know to me like that beer I would not pay forty dollars for that beer but at the same time like I also That's view what people it in, would pay I also view it in a vertical of like okay so if a five year old beer is forty dollars uh, a four year old beer is thirty five dollars thirty twenty ten like I I still wouldn't fucking the vertical that I pour like when I pour it. I'm not going to think of it as a fucking $90 vertical. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, because, I mean, you didn't, A, pay that much, and B, you know, you're you're in it for enjoying it. Right. Um, no, I just I find it just interesting. You know, it's it's like people are more than willing to pay um, good money for, for, you know, stuff that no longer now, Dogfish Head being a mass-produced beer. Right. You're probably looking at lower things, but... Yeah, it's it's just interesting to me because the 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 various hype beers, you know, oh. uh, they can go for way higher. Dude, uh, it's just people can't afford them. <laughs> Dark Lord from Three Floyds. When I first got into the beer game in 2013, mm-hmm. like Dark Lord, bro, it was like eighty dollars a bottle. People were paying on secondary market in 2013. Now. Like, wow. I guess like two years ago, it had gone up to $200 a bottle and people were freaking the fuck out for this. And like, to me as a home brewer, like, dude, do you know how easy it is to produce what they're producing? Like really and truly, all you have to do is put an effort. Like we were talking about earlier, like, oh, you want to, you want to fucking take good pictures? You don't need $10,000 worth of camera equipment. You just need to fucking know what you're taking a picture of. And like, if you just know what you're doing, you can produce a beer that is fucking phenomenal. Like, I know some long time long term listeners will know what I'm talking about. Do you remember the Malice series beer that I did, where I brewed an Imperial Stout and then I aged three of them or three three gallons on various things, and then I just bottled another gallon on uh, just as on its own. No, I don't recall that. Okay, so I made four. Basically, I made one batch of beer with four final beers. Uh, one beer was just a Russian Imperial stout. Another beer was a Russian Imperial stout finished on wine barrels, like wine soaked oak cubes. Another beer was uh, a Russian Imperial stout finished on uh, maple soaked oak cubes. And the last beer was a Russian Imperial stout aged on Jack Daniels soaked oak cubes. All four beers tasted very different. All four beers, like originally I was like, this is fucking terrible. This is a horrible idea. I came up with cool names. None of them fucking worked. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Let them sit for a year and they're fucking phenomenal. Delicious. (laughs) Now they're at like two and a half years and they're fucking amazing beers. That's incredible. To the point where I was like, why did I ever shit on this? This is amazing. This shit is just fucking amazing. But it's one of those things like if you know what you're doing, do it and just fucking stick to it and you'll fucking enjoy your end product. It just goes back to the old, take a picture that you think looks good. It'll look good to someone else. You record something that makes sense to you and sounds good to you. It'll make sense and sound good to someone else. Fucking do it. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Art. So, um, I think, are we ready to wrap this? I am. I will just say this about this 2015 Imperial stout aged in whiskey barrels from Boulevard. Tootsie Rolls. This thing fucking tastes like Tootsie Rolls. 
liquid Tootsie Rolls. Oh, no shit. It's wild. It's really wild. I mean, I know it's oxidation and malt shift and probably fucking light struck mixed in there with everything else. But it tastes like liquid Tootsie Rolls. And you know what? I don't know if you can tell by the way I'm speaking, but it's amazing. (laughs) It's really good. That's awesome. (laughs) Are you ready to wrap, buddy? No, it's... Yeah, yeah, man. Um, So, uh, one last thing. Go ahead. Congrats to Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. Oh, what did they do? For being our next president and vice president-elect. Oh, yeah, that happened. about fucking time and uh you know these conservative tears just taste so good so good <sighs> treason has never so sounded good. so fucking orange in all my life it's fucking amazing That's correct it's correct oh my god well thank you all for listening to us uh this week and every other week we appreciate you um if you feel like it please go out and leave us a review on iTunes or whatever podcast platform you have. If it has a rating available, please leave us the highest rating five stars or whatever the highest is. We appreciate it. Um, also be sure to check us out over on social media at no beer left cast on Twitter and Instagram at NBLB underscore beer on Twitter as well. We have a Facebook page, but it's there. Uh, if you want to leave us some good beer tips or ask us some beer questions, don't hesitate to hit us up over on our email account at nobeerleftbehindcast at gmail.com. Ladies and gents, guys, gals, non-binary pals, I appreciate each and every one of you. Uh, for Brian here in North Texas, until next time, I'm out. Uh, for Frank <clears throat> in far, far, far south Dallas, um, Brian, <clears throat> I have a confession to make. Yeah. I uh, I ate a kid's meal at McDonald's today. Mm-hmm. Um, his mom was furious. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>